Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Christianity is more than just ticking a box. Christianity is more than just ticking a box. It's more than just saying, uh, uh, wow, you know, I'm a believer and uh, I go to church, and uh, uh, this and that, the next thing, I can do this, I can do that, I mustn't do this, I must... You know, there's a lot of people, if you ask them on the street, I've watched videos like this, what do you think a Christian is? And then they, they, they're kind of like, a Christian is someone who obeys the Ten Commandments, and a Christian is someone who goes to church, a Christian is someone who tries to live a good life, and a Christian is this, a Christian is that, and you know, part of that may be uh, largely true, but there's a big truth missing there. Um, you know, there's a tangibility or an experience to Christianity. An experience. So God wants us to experience something. Okay? Um, go with me to First John. First uh, John, chapter 1. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. From verse 1. <clears throat> says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. Okay, so this morning, you are hearing and seeing me. Okay, so you there's an experience at, at, at church this morning. Okay, you're hearing me, you're seeing me. Even the people online are seeing me and hearing me. Okay, uh, it's an experience. It's not just something they're thinking about. There's an experience. And he's talking, the writer here is talking about uh, Jesus and how he heard and has seen, experienced something. Verse 2, oh, uh, no, second half of verse 1. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. So Jesus is eternal life, okay? You have Jesus, you have eternal life, okay? Um, he was with the Father and, when, and then He was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, what we've experienced, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So he's saying the, what, what, he's, what he's communicating is to, so that we would come into this fellowship, the Greek word koinonia, come into this partnership, come into this union, come into this communion, come into this fellowship, this relationship, which is with the Father and with each other. Okay? You can see it clearly there. This relationship is not just with Jesus. This relationship is with each other. So Christianity isn't just an experience with Jesus, it's an experience with each other. And that's usually the problem. Amen? It's true. You can laugh. Because what happens is, is people are like, I, don't, I went to church, I don't like uh, Christians. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, they, they, they judge Jesus by His church. And uh, God is good. His people aren't always. Amen? God is forgiving and God is not condemning. But his people aren't always. <laughs> you know, when I was in Bible college, we had this joke. 
uh, uh, if you did something wrong, you'd say to the, 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 uh, the, the person, you'd say, um, yeah, don't worry, God doesn't condemn you. I do, but he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm holding it against you, but he's not. You know, and, and it's just a joke, but the point is, is that there's often a discrepancy between what we experience with Jesus and what we experience in his, his church. And uh, we've, we can't expect perfection from the church. We've got to expect to have grace for them. Not, don't, don't worry about experiencing grace from other people. We want that, but it's more about experiencing uh, us extending grace. We have to be the, the first person often to express that grace towards others. Amen? But with Christianity, there's an experience to be had with, with God and then with each other. Okay, so go, you, you, we'll, we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians 5 a, a couple times uh, in a bit. But I just want to read verse 17 for now. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Christianity is a whole new life. Yeah, I remember talking to someone and they were like, I've tried this Christian thing. Uh, it just really isn't for me. No, you didn't try it. You can't try it. There's nothing to try. <laughs> it's impossible to try Christianity because it's, it can't be tried. It's a rebirth. It's a new life. When you experience it, you can't unexperience it. Your heart can be deadened to it. And your senses could be deadened to it and you could stop perceiving the spiritual realities about who you now are in Christ, but you can't change the fact that you were born or reborn. So now it's a case of, okay, uh, Christianity is not just something to try like I'm going to try the buffet this afternoon or I'm going to try a dessert that someone made or, you know, I'm not trying something like I try a church. It's like you, you can't get your skin off. You know, hey, Michael Jackson, we won't, he, he tried something. Okay, he tried something. But, but you can't just easily change your skin or take out your skin or change your DNA or whatever the case is. So it's like the same thing with being reborn. You're now, your DNA has changed. You've got the Spirit of God now living in you. It's a whole new life. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Because let's talk about this whole new life that we've got and that we can experience. Okay? This whole new life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 1 to 3. Therefore, I, a prisoner uh, uh, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Some of you are looking for, what's my calling? This, we, this might give you some answers today. But for those who are at Rondebosch, I'll be talking about this tonight, more specifically. So that's just to tease the rest of you. <laughs> but uh, 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 I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, which is you've been called by God. So you, you've been called by God. Your calling is in Him. Your purpose is in Him. Okay, and then it says, live a life worthy of this calling. Because there's a lot of Christians, we know, you know, what did Gandhi say? I would be a Christian if I hadn't met one. If it wasn't for uh, Jesus' people, I would have followed Jesus. And imagine if, I mean, okay, there, there's a problem with that because we make mistakes and we can't be perfect. And so people are misunderstanding something then. The, the right gospel isn't getting through to them. 
Okay, you don't become a Christian because you want to join the church. You become a Christian and you don't have a choice but having to belong to the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, a Christian who doesn't go to church is, a def- in, 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 is deficient. <laughs> They're missing out on something. Big time. Why? Because the, 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 the God wants to minister to us through each other and there's a fellowship that we should have with each other. It's not just fellowship with Him. Okay? Verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Wait. We don't want to read that. Amen? Always be humble and gentle. Like this is, this is what our call is to be like. Because you've got Jesus living inside of you. Because you're a Christian. Because now you represent Jesus. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient with one another. Making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. Isn't that awesome? This is showing us how to be in the body of Christ. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. So we, 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 we don't just live like a Christian for ourselves, we live like a Christian for each other. Okay? The way we live affects each other. And so we should consider that. It's not legalism. It's not legalism, it's life. It's actually freedom. You know, telling someone to grow up in this regard is, is, is freedom. It's life. It's showing you that you've got potential, that there's more for you. Okay? So how do we get there? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 10 to 15. King James says, He that ascended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some uh, uh, evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the equipping of the saints, some translations say, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby we lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Everyone say, grow up. Into Him. In all things, which is the head, even Christ. So, firstly, you can read this and you can see we're called to community. That's one of the things that really shouts out for me in this passage is we're called to community. And then if you look at the end there, it's talking about our potential or the roadmap for our um, Christianity. Where, why are we saved? Where are we going? That's, that's what this is talking about. Why are we saved? Where are we going? Okay? If you get offended at what I'm about to say, you should be offended at <laughs> what I'm about to say. You're not saved just to be able to sit on Daddy God's lap and just eat from the fridge whenever you want and just have a nice time with Him in your bedroom by yourself for eternity until He comes. There's more to Christian life than that. Thank God for that. It's awesome. Intimacy with Jesus is wonderful. But if it's not producing fruitfulness in other people's lives, you're missing it big time. 
No one's called to the prayer closet. We're called to pray in the closet and then come out of the closet and be a light on a hill. Shine for Jesus. Let our good works be seen. Not our good prayers be prayed in private. But let our good works be seen. If we don't pray and then go, we're deceived. Praying's not enough. Nowhere in the Bible is anybody just called specifically to pray. And that's not in my notes, so someone here needs to hear it evidently. Okay? We're called to, it says here, grow up. That verse 14, we should henceforth be no more children. Nobody wants to, to have an adult child in the home where you have to always just feed them and always just change their diaper and always just uh, give them money and always just, you know, like, you're like, okay, when are you going to grow up now? You're 30 years old. You should be able to look after yourself now. Hold on, let me just wipe that off your chin. You know, that's not, that's not maturity. Maturity is you can look after yourself and now you can look after other people. So that's the roadmap of your Christianity. If you're not there yet, it's okay. There's grace. But then you need to grow up. You need to mature to that place. How do we get there? Community. Sitting under good leadership, which then can equip us for the work of the ministry. Because the work of the ministry is what we're all called to. It's not the work of sitting in church that we're all called to. And the work of just giving into the bucket, although that's important. And it's not just the, 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 the work of um, being able to tick the box, I'm a Christian, on a, a census or whatever. We're, we're all called to the work of the ministry, which is reaching people for Jesus and being able to shepherd people and look after them. Okay? And there's a process involved. There's a, there's a, 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 a growing up involved. So no one's expecting anyone to be where they aren't. But we're expecting you to be progressing. In the faith. Growing up in the faith. Amen? So what's our potential? You read through that, our potential is Jesus. You read through that, our potential is Jesus. Your potential is Jesus. Okay, your potential isn't me, praise God. Your potential isn't Etienne, praise God. Your potential is Jesus. Okay? God's desire is that we look like Jesus. That's maturity. And imagine the world full of Jesus people who actually lived like Jesus. That would be amazing. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about looking like Jesus. I used, a month ago, I looked like Jesus. And then I cut my hair. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. Okay. But often, depending on your upbringing and your background and the way you read your Bible, we'll think of different things. Some people rightfully just think of love. Yes, we're talking about loving people, the way Jesus loved them. Some people automatically default to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You know, they're, 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 they're ready for the power. Yes, that's right too, but don't forget about love. And people who are focusing on love, love will compel you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Amen? So it's like we, we mustn't neglect one aspect of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is a description of you. Christ in you. The Spirit in you. You are patient. You are, not, not you have to try and be. 
But you are patient. You are kind. Uh, 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 what's it? Love, joy, peace. You are full of pa- uh, love. You are full of joy. You are full of peace. You are full of kindness, self-control, and all the rest of the fruit. It's not that you have to try and be like that. You need to realize that's who you are. Okay? It's like um, uh, 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 realizing that you can do something for the first time. I don't know if you reali- uh, remember a moment like that. Realize that you can do something. It's cool to see a, a, when a child can realizes it for the first time. You know, they realize sometimes it's not cool, <laughs> actually. You know, it's like they realize that they can walk, and it's like, oh no. <laughs> now we, we, we have to be on our toes more. Or they realize that, you know, they can they do something, and it's, it's now all of a sudden it gives you more work. You know, that, 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 that's, that's, uh, that's nice, but that realization, it's like a, when you realize that you can love like Jesus because he lives inside of you, that's a step forward in maturity. Amen? So, you know, the, 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 this is what Paul's encouraging us in from this chapter, is it's, it's time to grow up in the faith. It's time to start to look like Jesus in the way that we live. Okay? Um, before I go on there, I want to look at uh, something here. Go to Ezekiel 36. Yeah, Ezekiel 36 is, is, is a prophecy of salvation. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 to 27. This is a prophecy of salvation. Amazing thing about the Bible is that nothing in the New Testament is new. Like there's, there's teachings there from Jesus, teachings from the, uh, the New Testament writers, and you can trace it all back to the Old Testament because it's a, it's a fulfillment. There's nothing new. It, it's maybe just worded differently or because of the cross, it's a, a fulfillment and it's different. But there's nothing just all of a sudden, you know, Jesus wasn't sucking out teachings from the air. Okay, the, the, this, this really helped me with my Bible study. Jesus wasn't just going, what should I teach today? This is a great idea. And then all of a sudden, you know, he was, he was teaching something that people have never heard before. Why, did, why, couldn't, why couldn't he do that? Because he himself said, I didn't come to abolish the law or destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So he never once taught something that was contrary to the law. What did he do? He taught the fulfillment of the law. He explained the law's fulfillment. He was like, this is the shadow, I'm the reality, or this is the reality. Okay, so there's a lot to say in that, but everything, even salvation, is written about in Genesis to Malachi. And then you realize, wow, I mean, I've had someone come up to me after a service years back and say, "Um, you know, I really think we should uh, just get rid of the Old Testament. (laughs) I was like, why do you say that? They said, well, because it's not necessary. You can have a Christian life and and a, a good one without the Old Testament, but there's such a richness there And it's a safety. If you look at what Jesus said, he was always quoting Genesis to Malachi. If you look at what Paul was writing about and other writers, they were always quoting Genesis to Malachi and explaining it further. So how can we expect to ignore Genesis to Malachi? So this is me using a little bit of Genesis to Malachi. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, 
And you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from your idols will I cleanse you. And a new heart will I also give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Okay? So this is showing us what God intended with salvation. Let me show you verse 25. <coughs> verse 25. Okay. This is, is, is um, referenced to when uh, the writer of Hebrews is writing in Hebrews chapter 10. Okay. So Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 22 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So here you can see there's a, a connection between Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, Ezekiel 36.25. And he's showing that we would have a clean heart. Yeah, as a believer, you have a clean heart. Sometimes you don't feel like you have a clean heart, but it's more just your mind which might not be clean. And you haven't awoken to the reality of your clean heart. Now, it speaks about water there. What's the water there? It's always the Holy Spirit. It's always the Holy Spirit. Okay? I mean, you know, some churches you go to will, will sell you a bottle of holy water and uh, at a nice price, and uh, you can use that to cleanse yourself or whatever. I don't know what you use it for. I haven't been in churches like that in a long time. And the point is, is like, that's just uh, crazy. Okay? This cannot do anything to me. What did Jesus say? He said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. Same thing with what makes you clean. It's like, this isn't going to make me clean if I spray it on myself. Getting ready for, uh, I've been in the last couple of messages throwing water around. So, <laughs> anyway. The point is, is that the Holy Spirit will come, it says there, will be sprinkled upon you, and you shall be clean. Now, it's more than a sprinkling, but it, that's what cleanses you, is the rebirth by the Spirit. Verse 26, a new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and will give you a heart of flesh. The heart is the driving seat of your life. Okay, the heart is the driving seat of your life. So what is this saying to us? It's saying that if the heart is the driving seat of your life, God's going to give you a new direction. If the heart is the, the, the driving, out of the heart flow all the issues of life. That's why we guard our hearts or what we allow into our hearts. So now it's like you're a, a new creation. You've been given a new direction. Your direction changes. Then it, then it says there as well, where is it, where is it, where is it? And I will put my spirit within you. Okay, spirit uh, uh, within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Cause you to walk. In the, in the Greek, cause you to walk is giving you the idea of to carry, to depart, or to go out. So, you know, now that you've got the Spirit of God living in you, it's not that you now have, 
you're carrying on walking, but you've got a new spirit, you've got a new heart. This is, you, you, you're now walking in a new direction with a new heart, with a new direction. Like, uh, uh, um, um, what's it, spirit is also wind sometimes. And so it's like the spirit of the wind is our fuel. So now as you've got this new heart, which is pushing you in a new direction or leading you in a new direction, but it's also you're empowered by the Spirit to go in that direction. So it's not that you just want to go there, it's that you can go there. You don't just want to live holy, you can live holy. You don't just want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, you can because you're empowered to. You don't just want to love people, you're empowered to love people. Okay, then he says... So cause you to walk. I like the way it says, cause you to walk. Meaning, you're not trying to walk. He's causing you to walk. The Spirit of God in you causes you to walk and live like Him. In this new direction. Okay? And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. It's so easy to read that and get uh, bogged down by the, the, the legalism. And be like, uh, so now I'm going to follow the Ten Commandments. So now I'm going to, yeah, that's what we kind of default to. Forget about that, okay? Don't, don't think like, like that. Think bigger than that. Statutes, if you look up the word there, not in your English dictionary, but in the Bible dictionary according to the Hebrew there, it's a, an appointment or a reenactment. Or an, or an enactment, sorry. So it's an appointment or an enactment which is an ordinance. It's to uh, 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 something that's prescribed. So that's statutes. To keep my judgments can be defined as upholding. What? Upholding. It even puts there, my nature. So upholding God's nature, which is justice. So if we are now empowered by the Spirit to uh, uphold His nature, Uphold his nature, which is talking about keeping his judgments. It's not keeping his judgments and not killing people. That should be a given. Okay? It's keeping his judgments in upholding his nature of justice. What does that mean? It means we're representing him. It means that we're representing him. So now you've got a new heart, a new direction. You've got a, an empowering for this new direction. And... Um, this new empowering for a new direction, in it all, you're also representing Him. What verse does that sound like in the New Testament? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're representing Him. Representing Him means you're upholding His, his uh, nature. You're upholding His justice. Can you see how it's all nicely linked? You're upholding His nature. You're upholding His justice. And you're not trying to, you're doing it because now you're empowered to do it. You've got His Spirit in you. You've got His Spirit in you. Okay? So this is the Christian life. Amen? And this should excite us because it's got, um, uh, um, what do you call it? It's got purpose written all over it. Now you know that whether you're a doctor, lawyer, teacher, businessman, whatever, you know that there's a deeper purpose in it. You're representing Him there. You're not just trying to make money there, and you're not just trying to tell people about Jesus there. You know, both of those things are good. Making money is good. Amen? Telling people about Jesus is good. Amen? But you're representing Him there, which is different. Okay? 
So we've got to kind of have this idea of salvation that it's not just me now trying to live for Jesus, but I've got a new potential. And this new potential is my heart has changed. I'm going in a new direction. I'm empowered for this new direction. And this new direction is I'm upholding His justice. I'm representing Him. So how can I represent Him if I don't know Him? If I don't know anything about Him? You know, uh, uh, one of the guys that I ministered to on the streets in Zim, he, he had this, um, some many, many uh, interesting questions which a lot of Christians have. You know, like, why, why did God do all these bad things in my life? You don't know Him if you think He did bad things in your life. The more we come to know Him, the better we represent Him. Okay? So we need to come to know Him. How do we know Him? We need to have the foundation of the Word. We need to be looking in the Word if we want to know Him. Amen? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I said we were going to get back there. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 to 21. I'm going to read from the Living Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. When someone becomes a Christian, he has become a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. If you become a Christian and you feel the same, and you don't feel brand new, you don't feel different, then it's not the Spirit of God's fault. <laughs> It, it maybe you just haven't realized what's taken place. That's the biggest problem in the Christian life, is we don't know what happened to us when we received Christ. And so that's why church and ministry is so important. I very sadly uh, had someone say to me the other day that um, they, they, they've realized that their um, friendship with God or their relationship with God, it's better just them and God. So they're, they're going to step out of church for a while just to be able to fellowship with God by themselves. I was like, that's the first step towards deception. You're already deceived, but you know, God can't minister to you through anyone then. Like, because you're, you're in pride, thinking you're fine by yourself. No one's fine by themselves, not even me. A new life has become, verse eight, uh, begun, verse 18. And these things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. So now, I like this. It's saying we're a new creation. And we've been brought back into this union or into this friendship with God. We've been brought back to God. Okay, so say, everybody say, I'm a new creation. And say, I've been brought back to God. Then it goes on. And you know, a lot of people stop there. Then they bounce down to maybe mention, um, uh, I'm an ambassador of Christ in verse 20. And then they, but they, often will skim over that just to get to the part of I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And you know, we'll get excited. And it's exciting. I love being the righteousness of God. It's amazing. Amen. I love being made right without my effort. I love being made right by faith, by what I believe, not by what I do. I love the fact that God's not judging me according to my performance, but according to my faith in Christ. And now I'm considered right with Him. I think we can all be thankful for that because we wouldn't make it, okay? But there's a few lines in between that which are quite key to our Christian experience which we tend to gloss over, okay? The second part of verse 18, and God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into His favor and be reconciled to Him. God has given us the privilege, not the burden, the privilege 
of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled with him. Okay? So my, my, my sons are what? Uh, seven and nine years old. They haven't uh, 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 paid rent yet. They haven't cut the grass yet. They haven't uh, done the washing of the, the laundry yet. They haven't, there's lots of things that they haven't done to earn their keep because they don't need to yet. They do help. They unpack the dishwasher. They pack the dishwasher. They do certain things, but they don't have to do everything that you and I have to do in this life. Okay? And that shouldn't make us want to be children again. That should make us you know, realize we've got responsibility and it's good. But here's the, th here's the thing. Maturity is like, it's different for everyone. It's at different stages and different phases. Now we're growing into maturity, and as we grow into this maturity, we get to do more stuff. We get to look after more people. Like the Bible even says, you're faithful with a few, you're faithful with much. So I'm faithful with looking after a few people, now I'm faithful with much. We didn't start off with seven campuses and, and however many people in each campus. We started off with one campus, you know, and, uh, and then it grew. And so, you know, you, you, you kind of, there's phases and stages of our maturity and growth. And so if you're not at this phase yet, don't be condemned. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Don't feel bad. But I'm shining a light on your potential this morning. I'm shining a light on what you're called to this morning by showing you that you've got the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled with him. So for those of us who feel mature, don't put up your hand. If you think you're mature in Christ, if you feel you're mature in Christ, I challenge you with this question. When last did you urge someone to come into his favor and be reconciled with him? I'm not talking about when last did you urge someone to believe the message of grace or to believe the message of whatever you were pro, uh, promoting. When last did you urge someone who's an unbeliever to become a believer? Because that's what this is talking about. And that's maturity. There's no maturity apart from evangelism. Period. Doesn't matter about how much Bible you know, how many certificates you've got in the Bible college or the Bible school, and, and how many times you've sat in the same chair uh, week in and week out. What matters is, is how are you reaching people? Doesn't matter how intimate you are with Jesus. If that intimacy is not leading to fruitfulness and reaching people, you're mistaken. Doesn't matter how much money you're giving, keep giving it. We need it. We can use it. It's good. But it doesn't matter how much it is if, if that's how you're only determining your fruitfulness. Fruitfulness it, in heaven isn't mentioned by money, uh, uh, measured by money. It's not mentioned by, measured by how much Bible can you quote. It's measured by how did you live? How did you reach people? How did you fulfill your calling of urging people? Look at verse 19. For God was in Christ. Now Christ is our potential. Remember that. For God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sin against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us. Full stop, many people put there. Yeah, the, 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 the grace camp, we love this. We like to put the full stop where it shouldn't be. Because it finishes, it says, this is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. But we're like, this is the wonderful message he's given us. Actually, we changed that. This is the wonderful message he's given me. 
I'm the, the apple of my father's eye. I'm the center of daddy's universe. He loves me so much. You know, and it's like, yes, it's true. But we're called into community. You're not called to be by yourself a child of God. We're, we're children of God together. We're a family. Okay? So there's a part of this which is, is saying, hey, you know, mature in your thinking about what my Christian life is about. People love this, 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 this idea of um, my faith is, is kind of a private matter. And so I don't want to talk about my faith. It's a lie from the pits of hell. Your faith is never, ever, ever supposed to be private. Why, why would something be private? I mean, the Muslims really have it right there. <laughs> there. Not everywhere, but just there. It's one of the areas. Where, you know, they're not um, scared to talk about their faith and their religion. And, you know, like they respect Christians who aren't afraid to talk about it and to share it. Okay? And we often feel like we, we shouldn't share about it because it's, it's, um, it's rude. Well, if you think about eternity, it's, um, it's, no, it's got nothing to do with being rude or being forward or being in someone's face about what you believe or what the, the gospel says. It's actually a matter of eternal damnation and eternal life. So it's a bigger picture. For God was in Christ restoring the world to Himself, no longer counting men's sin against them. Praise God, he's not counting. It says, not counting men's sin against them, but blotting them out. That's the message we've got to tell people. God has blotted out our sins. That's quoting Isaiah, by the way. That's quoting Isaiah. Verse 20. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. A lot of people just quote that and don't read the rest of the verse. But if we're Christ's ambassadors, it means we're representing him. It means we're upholding His justice, upholding His nature, living like Him and showing people Him. Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. What did Jesus also say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We should be able to tell people, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. If they're not experiencing Jesus in what, how we live and how we treat them, Forget about trying to talk about it because there's a, a discrepancy. People need to see and experience it and hear it. Don't, you know, don't fall into the trap of um, just trying to preach the, the, the gospel with uh, the, your life. You know, that, what is it? Francis of Assisi. Um, uh, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. That's also partially a lie. Preach the gospel, use words, but live the gospel too. Both are vitally important. Okay? Uh, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you, which means we're speaking. <laughs> and God is using us to speak to people. Okay? We beg you. When last did you beg someone? Not for uh, 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 financial help or for an opportunity or for a seat at the table, or whatever you were begging people, you're thinking of begging people for. Um, but when last did we beg them as though Christ Himself were pleading with them, receive the love He has to offer, be reconciled to God? That's what we're called to. If the church started living like we were created to live, or born again to live, the world would be a different place. 
But around the world, we've got people trying to make comfortable services so Christians can be pacified with entertainment. And people are like, which church do I want to go to? That one has nice worship, that one has nice chairs, that one has nice coffee, and it's all going to burn in hell anyway. You know, we need to wake up and keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is, is that we've got relationship with God for eternity. He's not holding our sins against us. He's, he's made us to be His ambassadors. And that gives me a purpose. And my purpose is now to be His representative. Uphold His justice. Plead with people. To be reconciled to Him. Now, you know, there's, there's a lot that we can say with all of this. But I'll finish off with this verse, Philemon or Philemon, 1 verse 6. <coughs> Philemon 1 verse 6 from the Revised Version says that the fellowship of your faith may be if become effectual in the knowledge of every good thing which is in you in Christ or unto Christ. That the fellowship of your faith may become effectual. I like the, the, the way the Revised Version is putting it here. That the fellowship of your faith. You know, what's the fellowship of your faith? It's talking about your union with Christ. Your union with Christ is supposed to become effectual, be fruitful. How does your union with Christ, your relationship with God, become fruitful, become effectual? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you unto Christ, or in Christ Jesus. So, the way our relationship with God becomes fruitful is by acknowledging, or by the knowledge, and acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Not every good thing that shall be in you, but every good thing that is in you. You know, it says that uh, acknowledging is, or, or recognizing every good thing that's in you. I can recognize that this morning, Devin is here. I can recognize this morning um, that uh, 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 my wife was here. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't recognize that Etienne is here this morning because he's not here. Yeah, I can't recognize, and it doesn't matter how much I recognize it and I confess it and I declare it, Etienne's not here this morning. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But I declare that Etienne is here in the name of Jesus. It's not going to happen. Why? Because it doesn't, it, 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 he's not here. Wherever he is, he's far away. He's not coming here today. Okay? But I can acknowledge that Moses is here. I can acknowledge and I can, you know, and I recognize it. And my recognizing doesn't make it more real. It makes it me realize what is. I know this is very complicated. Yeah, I recognize that Bernard is here, and it's awesome to have Bernard here this morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I recognize he's here. It doesn't make it more true. It is true. Okay? So now, there's good things in us in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God, the power of God. Now, what do we need to do? Recognize it. Accept it. But what are a lot of Christians doing? Trying to make it happen. Well, you can't make the Spirit of God in you happen. He's in you. If you're a believer, you've got him. Now you can't confess it till you possess it or whatever because you've got him. Now you need to recognize it and then you walk in it. Then you can experience it. 
So we recognize it and then we start to experience it. Why? Because this is now who we are. So we need to. Maturity is about realizing through the knowledge of the word who we are, what we've got, and then acknowledging it, saying, this is true of me. I believe this. This is what the word says about me. And then starting to live in that or grow into that because now we know our potential. We know our ability. And if you know your ability, you can live in your ability. But if you don't know your ability, you, don't, you can never do it. You know, it, it, it's like um, um, some parents who, who, who try not to encourage their children to start walking. Because they're going to start walking. So it's like, just, just you know, don't, don't put them on their feet. Just let them do it naturally or whatever. Because we don't want them to realize that they can, they can do that. Because then it's going to be tiring. And so you're just holding back, holding back, holding back, and then, you know, all of a sudden they realize their potential and you can't hold them back. You can't hold them back. It's a, it's a similar thing. You, we need to realize our potential in Christ so that we can go for it. But you can't go for it unless you know. And that's where it starts. Amen? If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.